On the front of the bulletin, I put these words from John chapter 12, uh, where some Greek men who were, had heard a lot about Jesus came to Philip, one of Jesus' disciples. And this was the week of his crucifixion, so it was after the triumphal entry into Jerusalem and, and before his triumphal coronation on the cross. Um, they came to Philip and they said, and you can almost hear the, the, the desperation in their voice in the way they said it. They said, sir, we wish to see Jesus. Sir, we want to see him. Um, and those words uh, are found actually emblazoned in pulpits all across our country today. I don't have one on this um, but I've preached in a couple of pulpits where the words, sir, we wish to see Jesus, were there. And they were there to remind me, the preacher, that that's what I'm here to do. I'm, I'm here to help the people see Jesus. Uh, but for us this morning, they also remind us that as ones who listen to the preaching and come to the Word of God, that we would have that kind of heart that those men had when they came to Philip, that we would have a heart that says, Lord... I want to see Jesus. Would you show him to me? Would you show him to me? And that's um, me, for me, I think, is a fitting description of what Advent is all about, is this longing to see him, this longing to know him. Even if I've known him for decades, I can tell you right now, friends, I don't know him well enough, and I want him. I want him. Sometimes just... Uh, last week I was thinking about that woman who had been bleeding for 12 years and Jesus was walking through a crowd and she pushed her way, shoved her way through the crowd just so that she could touch the hem of his garment. She said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be whole. And I want that kind of heart. I just want to get as close to him as I can get to him so that I can be whole. And I know, I know you well enough to know that that's your heart too. And that's why we're going to be in Luke together um, for at least 2024. Um, so that we can get as close to him as we can and be whole. So, uh, it is good news that Jesus desires that for us more than we desire it for ourselves. He said, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am. Think about Jesus praying this for you. I desire that they would be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you have loved me from the foundation of the world. May our desire to see Jesus match his desire to be seen. Let's turn to Luke chapter 1 and let's stand together as we begin our journey in Luke together. Luke chapter 1, verses 1-4, hear the word of the God who loves you and wants you to see him. Luke writes, inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile 
a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. One of my favorite movies when I was a kid was um, The Wizard of Oz. Every Christmas we'd watch that. And you remember that part at the end where um, Toto, I think it is, pulls back the curtain and you see the man pulling the things behind him. Um, This morning, for a moment, I want to pull back the curtain for a minute and let you kind of peek behind and see something that preachers are supposed to be doing when we're preaching. Um, Preachers, when we're preparing a sermon, we're supposed to be looking in the text that we've been given and asking ourselves, what what is the human need that I see here? And then what is God's provision for that need? that I see in this passage. Um, And we're supposed to, first of all, ask, what was the need of the original hearers of this passage? What was it that they needed that God was providing by providing this gospel or this letter or this psalm or this narrative? And then, understanding as best we can what their need was and how God was meeting it through this particular passage, then we turn and we ask ourselves, what about us? What is, what is the human need that we have that this passage also uncovers that's similar to or related to the need that the original hearers had? And how is God using this passage to help meet that need by his grace? So, Sometimes our needs are, here, here's five quick categories of what our human need is that the original hearers or we bring to the Bible when we come to it. And by the way, what preachers are supposed to be doing is also a helpful way for you to read and study the Bible with those questions in mind, the human need and God's provision for it. Um, sometimes we come to the text um, as fallen people. In other words, we're, we're sinners. We're at odds with God. And God has written this particular text to recover us from our sin. Sometimes we come to, I should say, some, I'm saying sometimes, all the times, all of these are in play. But, um, but we're also, we also come to the text as finite People as creatures. Uh, we're not God. We're his creatures. And so God has this text written to recover our dignity and also to provide for our limits as humans. Um, the, these are, this is finiteness. This is difficulty that's not related to being a sinner. It's just related to being a creature. But we also come to the Bible as fragile people. Sometimes we are questioning God or we're crying out to God as we come. And so God has provided this text 
sometimes um, to help mend and heal us as those who suffer or who have been sinned against. And then sometimes we come to the Bible or to a sermon as faltering people. Um, We love God, but sometimes we stumble. And so God has this text written to show us that even, even our greatest biblical heroes faltered. They're not God, and they stumble. And so we find encouragement from the text for that. Well, those all four seem to be negative things that we bring to the text, but there's, there's another positive, encouraging thing that we bring to the text, and that is those of us who are followers of Jesus come to the text as just that. We're, we're followers of Jesus. We've been saved by him, rescued by him. We're being sanctified by him. We're filled with the spirit of Jesus. And so we come to this text as followers of Jesus, saints, Saints, if you, if you know Jesus and follow him, you're already a saint. It's not something you've got to work toward to earn. We come as saints who need the power to follow the pattern and the path of the dying and living that Jesus walked and walks through us. We come as followers of Jesus. And what... What God ultimately provides in all of these passages for all of those needs is Jesus himself. And so we come Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and we say, sir, you say to me, sir, I need to see Jesus. Well, as we look at this, uh, Luke, sorry, is writing these words to a fellow he, he says is most excellent, excellent Theophilus. Uh, Theophilus means lover of God or friend of God. But he's writing to a particular person. He was a real person. We don't know anything about him except for what he says here at the beginning of Luke and also Acts, which is really Luke volume 2. But um, let me ask you a question. Look at these verses Let's make it quick for you. Look at verse 4. What is Theophilus's human need? What is, what is Luke saying that Theophilus needs? Somebody tell me. Certainty. Certainty concerning what? Certainty concerning things he has been taught. What do, you, what do you think those things he has been taught are? I think he, uh, he talks about it in the first two verses. What are the things he's been taught about what? Yeah, about Jesus and what it means to follow him. So Theophilus' need is he needs certainty about things he's already heard about Jesus. But he needs more. He needs certainty. And so Luke is now providing in this entire gospel, which this is the longest book in the New Testament, by the way, he's providing God's divine provision by his grace for Theophilus' need. So everything that 
Luke is going to write for us about Jesus is for the purpose of giving Theophilus certainty concerning the things he's already heard about Jesus. And friends, Theophilus' need is the same as yours and mine. And so this morning what I'd like to do is really quickly, I promise, um, I just sat down this week and I thought, what kinds of certainty do we all need about Jesus that Luke's gospel is going to show us in the coming months? Um, And I came up with six. So let me just share those with you quickly. The So What email will have them all there as well, um, which I just remembered. I forgot to schedule it to send, so I'll send it when I get home. It's written, but haven't sent it yet. There's something Luke is going to tell us about Jesus in this book that will settle and steady and strengthen our hearts in Jesus. It will give us certainty in him. And there can be all kinds of reasons why you or I need certainty, what kinds of certainty we need. Here's, here are six different kinds of situations where you may need the kind of certainty that Luke's gospel is going to give you. You may be here this morning and you are, you say, I'm a skeptic. I still have questions about Jesus and Christianity. I'm not necessarily against Jesus and Christianity, but but I'm not sure I totally buy it yet. And so before I start revolving my whole life around this Jesus, which is what he asked me to do, I need to know about who he is. I need to know more about what he's done. I need to know about what he teaches. I'm curious, but I'm cautious. This could be very well where Theophilus was. Um, We're not sure He may have been an unbeliever who was curious about Jesus and and wanted, and in fact, some believe he may have even hired Luke um, to write this account to satisfy his own curiosity and skepticism about what he's heard and been taught about Jesus already. And maybe some of you are like that, especially some of my young friends. Maybe you've grown up in the church You've heard so much about Jesus, but you, but you still have your doubts. You wonder. Luke invites you. Look at Jesus with me, Luke says, so that you can have certainty about who he is and what he's done and what he says. Maybe you're not the one who's skeptical. Maybe you have a friend or a child or a family member who is. Um, Luke and what he's going to tell us about Jesus. It's intended, this book is intended to give certainty about Jesus to skeptics. Well, that's one, one way you may need certainty. Maybe the second one fits you better. Maybe you say, well, I'm a saint. Yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I'm, I'm a struggling saint. Um, we don't know, perhaps Theophilus is a believer, and he's already believed and received what he's been taught about Jesus, but um, maybe he's young in the faith, and so he needs more 
uh, discipleship. He needs more understanding of who Jesus is and what he's done. And maybe that's you. Maybe you say, I'm young in the faith, but I've never actually read one of these gospels before all the way through. And, and so I, I want to do it. I want to know Jesus better. I want to know him and serve him more effectively. But then for many of us in this room this morning, um, who knows how many times you've read this gospel and the others. You may say, well, I'm old in my faith. But if you're like me, you still need more. You still need more. You need to be reminded about why you can trust Jesus. You need to be renewed in strength to serve him. And so Luke says, this book is to give you the certainty you need about Jesus, even if you're a struggling saint. Thirdly, you may say, sure, I'm a struggling saint, but I definitely know that I'm a struggling sinner. Um, you may be here this morning and you're in the middle of a, a, a sin pattern in your life that's got a grip on you and that you just wonder, can I ever shake it? Will I ever be able to break it? You may be weighed down by guilt and shame, even over past sins that are long since um, been forgiven by Jesus. Um, you may feel, you know, I don't, I don't deserve to, I, I don't deserve the love of Jesus, and I don't have the love of Jesus for people. Um, there's still so much me first in my heart, so much me first in my desires, so much me first in my words, so much me first in my choices, so much me first in the way I relate to people. If you're a struggling sinner, we're going to get to a story in Luke 19 where Jesus told Zacchaeus, I, the Son of Man, came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus is attracted to lost sinners. Um, and you know what? We're going to find out Zacchaeus wasn't. He was curious about Jesus, kind of sitting up in a tree watching what's going on, but he wasn't after him. And Jesus said to Zacchaeus, come down, I'm going to your house for lunch today. And that day, Jesus said, salvation came to the house of Zacchaeus. Know that if you are struggling in some sort of grip of sin, that Jesus loves you and wants to pursue you in the midst of it and save you and rescue you. The last six chapters of Luke are all about the suffering of Jesus for us, the crucifixion of Jesus in our place, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, so that you and I, like him, can walk in newness of life because of him. If you're struggling with your sin this morning, you need what Luke has to tell you about Jesus. Perhaps this is where you are. You might say, I'm, I'm suffering physical and relational pain and loss. I'm really hurting right now, Jimmy. I'm bothered and bogged down by ongoing pain uh, or, or problems that I have in my body. And on top of that, I have strained relationships, 
broken relationships, and this, this grieves me. It weighs my heart down. Well, Luke wants to give you certainty about this Jesus who loves sufferers. Jesus, um, Luke will show us that Jesus knows what it's like to live in a human body. Think about that. That's what we celebrate here at Advent and Christmas. God himself took on human flesh. Jesus, God, your God knows exactly what it feels like to live in a jar of clay, your body. He knows human weakness and limitation. He knows pain and suffering. Especially he knows undeserved pain and suffering that's caused by others. He knows betrayal and abandonment and abuse firsthand. He knows what it means to be misunderstood and lied about. Luke's going to show you that Jesus. And then Luke will, along the way, show us miracles that Jesus does. And the miracles that Jesus does are windows into the full and final healing of all our hearts and hurts that is coming when he comes again. So Luke is going to show you Jesus so that you have certainty about him and in him, even as you suffer. And then you may be in this situation, you may say, I'm, I'm sad, scared, and cynical right now, Jimmy particularly about what's going on in our world. And I know a lot of us are here. You may say, I feel, I feel hopeless about what's happening in the world right now. I'm fearful about what it means for me and my children and my grandchildren. And if I'm honest, I'm angry about where our culture is going. And I'm cynical about what can be done to change it. And I'm confused in the midst of all that about my place and purpose in this moment in our history. You know what? Luke is going to show you that there are others just like that in this story. At the very end of Luke, Jesus comes upon, after his resurrection, comes upon two disciples who are struggling with the same thing. He asked them, what are you talking about? And they stopped and they looked sad, Luke said. And they said, They told him about this Jesus, and they said, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. We hoped that it was finally going to end and begin, (laughs) that he was coming, that, that the one who was promised to crush the head of the serpent, even though his heel would be bruised, that he was coming, that this is the Messiah, this is the one to make all these things right. And Jesus said, have you not understood the scriptures? And he gave them a, a, a little Sunday school lesson. He walked them through the scriptures and told them about how all the Old Testament was pointing to him, uh, pointing to this Jesus. They didn't know he was Jesus at the time. And they said later that their hearts were burning within them as they listened to him talk and teach. Luke knows that you need to know that we live in the times of the fulfillment of God's great plan to say yes to all of his glorious promises in Jesus. Paul says that Jesus is the yes 
to every promise God has made. And Luke wants to show Theophilus and you how that's true. Luke said in, in these verses we read this morning, he said, Inasmuch as many have undertake, undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, well, I'm going to add to that. I'm going to, I'm going to give you another narrative. But when he said a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, the word accomplished is the word fulfilled. Luke is saying, I'm going to show you in Jesus how he is the fulfillment. All that he has accomplished fulfills the promises of God for his people so that you have hope. And we're going to see in the next couple of week, weeks in Zechariah's song and Mary's song how they go back to the Old Testament and they say, this is it. He's come. He's come to fulfill all that God has promised. Luke knows that you need to know that Jesus is the king, no matter who's reigning down here. Luke knows that you need to know that Jesus is the second Adam who, will, who has crushed the head of the serpent and will renew all things. And then Luke knows that we need Jesus to be our teacher through his preaching and through his parables to teach us how to live in his kingdom even as we live on this earth. So if you're sad or scared or cynical, Luke will give you certainty in these scary times. And then you may be this, and if you're a believer in Jesus, you are this. You're a spokesperson for Jesus. You may realize and recognize that you're in relationships with other people at home, at work, at school, in the neighborhood, in the community, people who need to see and know and follow Jesus with you. And like Luke and Theophilus, you, you realize I'm in positions of relationship and influence with others who need to see Jesus just as I have seen Jesus. And I have a mix of feelings about this. I have some guilt about it. I have joy about it. I have fear about it. I have excitement about it. Uh, it's a mix and a mess to be a Spokesperson for God? Why do I say that? Luke saw himself as a spokesperson for Jesus. He was, uh, Luke was a doctor, a medical doctor. He was not a preacher or a minister, but he knew Paul, traveled with Paul. Uh, the book of Acts shows that. Um, but he knew those who were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, of the gospel about Jesus. He himself apparently did not, was not an eyewitness of these things, but he knew these apostles. He knew these men and women who had seen them. And so it seemed good to him, too, to interview. And scholars believe that he spent probably about two years, particularly two years while Paul was in prison in Palestine, um, traveling around interviewing all these eyewitnesses, um, Perhaps the reason why we have Mary's account of the angel Gabriel coming to her is because he talked to Mary herself. So he did all this interviewing, and he very carefully um, put together this narrative about who Jesus is and what he had done and what he taught. And he did this, and now you see his heart for Theophilus. We don't know how he met Theophilus, but Luke's desire was that Theophilus would see Jesus as 
he himself had seen Jesus through these eyewitnesses. And so he, he writes this book. And it's interesting, too, that throughout the book of Luke, we're going to see Luke's missional heart. Luke, as a Gentile, has a heart for the Gentiles. As a companion of Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, you're going to see, coming through his story, the heart of Jesus for the nations. And so it will give you and me certainty. Um, and then Theophilus himself, most excellent, um, means that he was probably in some sort of government leadership position. He was a man of influence. But just because you and I are not in the same kinds of areas of influence that Theophilus had, um, or even Luke had, we are all people who have influence on someone. We are all put in a place where we can be spokespersons for Jesus. And so seeing Jesus in Luke's gospel can give us confidence that what that the Jesus that we have is the Jesus that the people around us need more than anything else. But Luke's gospel can also give us courage and perhaps even a way for us to help people see them if we invite them to read it with us. One last thing. Another area of certainty you may need, you and I may need, is all of us as followers of Jesus are sons and servants of God. Now, you may say, wait a minute, I'm not a man, how can I be a son of God? Uh, Paul said in Galatians, he said, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. And in that culture, um, an adopted son uh, would receive the full inheritance from the adopting father. An adopted daughter would not. That's just the way it was. So Paul is using that cultural uh, imagery to help people see that men and women, all of you, if you are in Christ, you are full sons, adopted sons. You get all the inheritance. We are sons of God, different than Jesus was, but still, we are his brothers and sisters. But we are also servants of God. And so Luke is going to show us, by showing us Jesus, he's going to show us this is what it looks like for a human son and servant of God to live. And as you've heard Robert say many times, if you want to know how to live as a human who loves and trusts the Father, look at Jesus. And so that's what we're going to do. Luke is going to give us certainty about what it means to live and love like Jesus as sons and servants of God. I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to all these things. And I'm praying and ask you to pray Ask God, stir my heart, God. What is it that I need certainty about? And where will I find it in Luke? Um, pray for me and Eric and Robert as we preach through this. Um, we're excited to do it because we desperately need to see Jesus for all these reasons that I've given. Well, as I close, I wanted to tell you that another pastor this week, told a group of us 
about uh, some videos on the internet that he had seen of, of toddlers who have severely impaired vision, uh, some of them legally blind, videos of these children receiving glasses for the first time. Have you seen some of those before? In the So What email, I'll, I put links to two of these videos. Grab some tissue before you watch them. Um, I watched these and just cried because um, one of them is this little girl, um, I don't know, can't be more than 18 months old, and as they're trying to put the glasses on her, she's fighting and fussing. She doesn't want anything to do with these things on her face. But oh, when they get, when they get on her face, her face lights up, her jaw drops, and she goes like this. And she looks around, and it's just amazing. It's so incredible to see what it's like for someone to see. And then there's another little two-year-old boy who uh, also received his first pair of glasses. And when they, when they put them on his face, his, his mom said, do you see everything different? And this big grin comes across his face, and he's just looking around. He goes, yeah. And then he turns. This is, this is what got me. He turns, and he looks at his dad. He was sitting right there. And he looks at his father. And he just, you can tell he's just, in awe, as he's looking at his daddy, and his mommy says, do you see daddy different? Think about that question. Do you see daddy different? And he's just looking at his daddy, and he says, yeah, yeah. Friends, Jesus wants you to see him clearly. He wants you to see his father clearly in him. He wants you to see everything in your world clearly and differently than you do now. Don't be like that little girl and resist the glasses. Let Jesus put, put the gospel of Luke on your eyes so that you can see him. And it will change your life. That little girl now has certainty about things that she only saw in clouds before. It, it changed her entire world to put those glasses on. And it changed her entire life. Now she'll be able to live and move and be human in ways that she never realized she could. So friends, I'm inviting us to pick up our Bibles this year and put Luke on like a pair of glasses for our visually impaired hearts. And let's ask the Spirit of Jesus to help us see Jesus and Luke together. We need him desperately. Father, you know each of us and you know, you know what certainty each of us needs. Would you, as we walk in Luke together this year, would you give us the certainty that you specifically know we need most because you've given us Jesus? 
And we thank you for this table where we come every week and we put him on the eyes of our hearts and we see your love for us, Father, so, so much more clearly. Would you do that again for us today, we ask. In Jesus' name.